just to be continuing in our series today, so I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Josh. And today we're going to talk a little bit about peace within politics. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Jesus loves you. <sighs> oh, man. All right. Uh, yeah, we're going to begin into that a little bit. I've got a couple disclaimers that I will be, I will be saying. Uh, but we're in this Peace Within series, and, and we've really kind of been talking about what it looks like to have peace within. And if, if you've uh, been with us last week and you heard some of the things that, again, Daniel was talking about uh, as he set up this series, was really that there is so much turmoil, there is so much chaos, your world could be upside down, and you, you, all you have to do is get on social media today. All you have to do is pull out the, the Twitterverse, the Instagram, you know, even Snapchat's going a little cray-cray. All you have to do is get on social media and just see and feel the hate you can, you, can, you can feel the anxiety when you walk through your grocery store. You can feel the anxiety maybe within yourself as you're driving along and there's a car with a bumper sticker from a president who either won or lost in front of you. You're like, ugh. Like that's all it takes for us now to just have this moment of not peace within. So last week we talked about peace within the storm. And I just want to kind of recap that uh, really quickly, but before we do, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn those out, uh, open or on, whatever that is, and uh, Jay's back there with our prayer board. If you don't have a Bible at all, uh, we've got a uh, Bible just for you this morning, and if you don't have a Bible personally at all, uh, just write your name in that again in permanent ink, take that with you. Um, that is yours this morning. So we're going to turn to one of my favorite books in the Bible, just to get us started again. Last week we got a we read a scripture just to get us going. We're going to do the same week uh, or the same this morning. Galatians, the book of Galatians in the New Testament, itty bitty book there, one of my favorites. Chapter five, verses three through fifteen, just a couple verses, and I want us just to have this as our mindset before we pray and then dive into the word. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And just think about this for what we're talking about this morning, peace and politics. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Mary, Father, Lord, just help me today. It's politics. <laughs> it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough day. But through praying and, and talking and, and visioning and dreaming, this is 100% what I believe you have called us to talk about today. We're not going to beat around the bush. We're not going to pretend it's not happening. So God, we seek your peace within politics this morning. May the words that are spoken and said reach into your heart, into these people's hearts and mine. And they may, be, may they be your words, not my own. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. So you may not leave thinking this is the best sermon you ever heard today, and that's okay, I'm okay with that. I do hope we leave thinking, wow, there's more biblical in politics than maybe I had 
thought of before. So I want to recap last week. Last week we were in Mark chapter 4. And it was Jesus in the boat with the disciples going across and there was a storm. And if you remember, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat on the one cushion. Remember, that's how ghetto fabulous that boat was. It described the one cushion and Jesus was on it. And so he's sleeping in the back and the storm comes and the disciples are all losing their minds. Waters come into the boat. They're thinking they're going to sink and they wake Jesus up. And basically their question was, Jesus, don't you care about our chaos? We're going to die unless you be who you are. Jesus says, you have little faith. And he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and all goes hush. And they were amazed. It says they were also in fear. Like, wow, this dude just did what with the wind and the waves? Basically, they were asking the wrong question. So a few things from last week. First thing, peace starts within. Peace starts within. Your circumstances do not dictate whether or not you are at peace. But you being at peace does dictate how you handle those circumstances, those situations. So we're in the search for peace within. And if you want peace within then we have to ask the right question. We have to ask the right question. And we talked about from that passage in Mark chapter 4, the disciples did not ask the right question. Their question was, don't you care about me and my chaos? Don't you see what's going on in this world? Don't you see the wind? Don't you see the waves? Don't you see these superficial, earthly confines that we're stuck in going nuts? Don't you care about us. Much of this series is going to hinge on this perspective of asking the right question. Again, it's not, you know, to have peace within it. It's not wondering how your faith fits in to your school life. Say, so what does it look like for me to be a Christian at school? In that environment. Our thought process needs to be, no, 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 I'm a Christian. What does that look like when I go to school? We don't need to be thinking about our, our perspective of, of asking the wrong questions. Hey, what does it look like for me to be a Christ follower at my job and put that within this bubble? How do, I, how do I act like a Christ follower at my job and maybe I act a different way over here and I act a different way over here? And the right question to ask is no. How do I be a Christ follower and, and job and over here and sports and school and extracurricular and all that kind of stuff? How does that fit into my faith identity? And so a lot of this today in our culture, we're, we're just simply asking the wrong question. What does it look like for me to be a Christ follower on Facebook? I'll post a meme. It'll have scripture verses on it and cute little curly flowers and maybe a little pink with 18 different fonts and four typos. We're asking the wrong question. The disciples asked the wrong question. So if we're going to have peace within this morning, we need to ask the right question. And the right question from last week's passage It's not, don't you care about my chaos, Jesus? It's not, don't you see the world I'm in, Jesus? The right question for you to ask is, am I in the boat with Jesus? Because if you're in the boat with Jesus, the rest simply does not matter. If you're with Jesus, man, bring on the wind. Bring on the waves. If you're with Jesus, chaos? No. That's of the enemy. Cohesion, unity, that's of the Lord. If you're in the boat with Jesus, 
Fear? No. That's what Jesus said. There's, there's no room for fear in my boat. And so we have to start bailing out all the things that don't need to be in our boat with Jesus. And if you read that passage last week, you'll notice that the water was filling up the boat and the disciples were afraid. And so Jesus calmed the winds and he calmed the waves. And this is kind of rhyming, so that's cool. So he calmed the winds and he calmed the waves and, and, and they're in there, but we never get to the point where like, wait a second, hold on. There's still water in the boat. They're still stuck out in the sea and yes, Jesus calmed the wind and yes, Jesus calmed the waves, but there's still water in the boat. Just because Jesus was in the boat, and calm the wind and calm the waves didn't mean the disciples didn't have a job to do. Bail the water out. Get anything between them and Jesus out of that boat that does not belong in the boat with Jesus. And that's where we're going to be at at some of this series because we're going to end up in a point where we're going to have to make some choices and you might have to make some changes. And we may be talking about a few things, especially today, that may be a little uncomfortable. And you're going to have to decide and do something about it. You know, this series can't be afford, or can't afford to be just like a, oh yeah, it was great. That was cool. I listened. They had some good music. They had that one song that I didn't like that they played again. And then we went, um, and then we went, and he talked for a little bit, and it was great because he was only 25 minutes today, and we got out on time, and then we went to this lunch buffet, and it was fantastic. It can't be one of those series for us. We've got to apply. We've got to bail out of the boat. We've got to do things. We've got to make choices within this series if we want to actually have that peace within. Is there someone in here who does not want peace? I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I'll be surprised to see a hand, right? We, we hunger for peace. We desire peace. And if we want that peace within, we, there are choices to make for it. It's like if if, you know, when I was going to college at USF, we had a lot of times where, you know, you go and you go to the big auditoriums and there's like four and five hundred kids in there, right? And so you go and, and you, it's maybe it's just some silly class like socioeconomics or, or liberal arts, you know, something or other. And so you go and you sit in this big old class and, and there's tons of people. And you sit and you listen. And you go up to the professor after the class and you're like, hey man, that was such a great lecture. Um, can I just shake your hand? That was a great lecture. And then you go home. And you go to the class the next time, and, and, and this college student says, hey, professor, you know what? It was even better than last time. It was great. I loved listening to your lecture, right? And then the test comes. And at the test, we're sitting there, and this college student is, I, I don't know any of these answers, and fails the test, and they went up to the professor and say, well, professor, you had great lectures, and I listened, I paid attention. Why did I fail the test? Didn't apply what was being talked about. And this can't be that series for us. Hey, that was a great sermon, or that was a bad sermon. To be honest, I don't care. This is for him. We have to apply what the Word is telling us. So today, we're going to be talking about peace within politics. Peace within the politics. America today is witnessing perhaps the most politically chaos, hatred, uncooperativeness, slanted, untruth, bias that we've probably ever seen. And if you've been, again, on social media, you watched any of the news within the last 12 to 14 months, if you haven't lived under a rock for the last year, you know. You feel this. You know this. 
And whether or not you agree with any of it, guess what? You and I, we're a part of it. So how do we find peace within politics? Can you? How can we possibly be calm when, Jesus, there's so much chaos outside of my boat? How can we have a different outlook? How can we even be civil or respectful when we do not agree with the other perspective? Before we let Jesus answer those questions, I want to lay out a few ground rules for us this morning. First of all, we are Americans, right? But this sermon on politics, and I've chosen hopefully my words very carefully, is not going to be a patriotic advertisement. I love my country. My dad was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force for more than 25 years. His dad flew P-40s in North Africa in World War II. My great-great-grandfather fought in the Civil War. I even signed up, fun fact, for the Marines in 2004. I was ready to go. I was medically unable. I had asthma. So it was a tough thing. I said, nope. I'm like, well, shucks. And then God directed my life into ministry. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm passionate about my country. I love my country. It's enabled freedoms such as what we're doing right now. Worshiping freely, right? But if we want this sermon to bleed red, white, and blue, it's not. It's just not. Rule number two. I'm not going to talk about things about whether our foreign policy is good or not. Or if we should build a wall or not. Or what the minimum wage should be or not. We're just not going to touch that. Why? Because it's not in the boat. Number three, I'm not going to say you should be Republican, Democratic, Libertarian, third party, or otherwise. And if this is the sermon you were hoping, like, finally, it's been a couple years, Justin's been here, and he, this weekend is either A, the weekend he messes up royally and I get to watch it, or B, this is the message where I finally get to hear from a pulpit, Republicans are right and Democrats are wrong. Or Democrats are right and Republicans are wrong. Or both of those are wrong, and finally someone is screaming for a third-party system. This is not that sermon. It's not in the boat. You see, those who are conservative will tend to use conservative verses only out of here about Jesus to claim he was conservative. Those who are liberal would do the same thing. You see, Jesus was God in the form of a man and therefore also outside the need of and rules to choose a political party. Jesus is not an American. Y'all with me on this? Okay, tough territory. Number four, this message will not, I will not belittle any past or current president or political party. There's enough of that out there already, right? We're trying to find peace within the politics, not create more chaos. Number five, I will say this. That we need to keep an open heart today. And I hope we all leave here a little different, with a little more respect for each other, a little more love to listen to different perspectives, and also asking the right questions. And if we do that, we will have a radically different viewpoint this morning, and hopefully learn that we can have peace within politics. So first, we need to ask the right question, right? Again, it's not, what does my faith look like within my political party and my political beliefs? That's the wrong question, right? So if we're going to ask this question for our entire series, what's the right question to start off with? 
what do my political beliefs and my political party look like within my faith? Because my faith is bigger than that, right? So what is, what is this small part of my life that I choose to vote red or blue or be a donkey or an elephant? All that kind of stuff. What does that mean in perspective of the bigger picture? And the bigger picture is our faith. In other words, what is taught in this should shape the way we vote, should shape the way we speak out, should shape the way we endorse things or don't endorse things, should shape the way we protest or not, should shape the way we post or not on all that social media. What is in here should define the rest of us. We shouldn't put this into a small category in our lives for Sunday mornings. Turn with me if you have this out still. Mark, if you notice we're kind of bouncing around in Mark lately. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 17. Just four verses today. Just four verses. We're going to read this first and we're going to go back and learn a little bit more about it. And they sent him the they is Pharisees and some other guys we'll talk about in a minute. The they sent him, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, to trap him, Jesus, in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them, or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? You know what? Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought one. It's a coin. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, It's Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So Jesus is here teaching in the temple. Now the Pharisees that we read about, they wanted to arrest him and kept backing off because he was gaining in popularity. And the passage before this, and earlier in chapter 12, it's kind of funny because Jesus is talking, they're like ready to come up, they're ready to arrest him, and his word he's speaking is so good and so true, they're like convicted, they're like, oh, is that on us? Oh, okay, we can't arrest him now. And they back off. And then this is the passage where we pick up and they, that they send Pharisees. And they're trying to get Jesus to mess up intentionally. They're trying to get him to say something wrong. You see, the Jews were desperate. They were desperate for a political revolution. 63 years about before the birth of Christ, Pompey of Rome conquered Israel. And the Romans set up this puppet kingdom and the dynasty that we know of is King Herod. If you know the story of the birth of Jesus, kind of an important dude, right? King Herod. And we have this Herodian dynasty that is now continuing. It's not the Herod that Jesus was born under. Now it's a different Herod, and the dynasty is continuing, all right? So we have the Herodians who are sent. And maybe that makes a little bit more sense for us now, because they tried to get rid of Jesus already, before, when he was born. Didn't work. Now this guy has come back, he's in ministry, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's shaking things up. They're like, wow, we really need to fix this now. We need to get rid of this Jesus problem. And so these Pharisees, these wise rulers, and these Herodians, the guys who have been with the dynasty, are like, oh, this is the dude? Yeah, we need to get rid of this dude. 
They're trying to come up. They're trying to get him to mess up. And the Jews had a few minor or major revolts, but never had enough power to overcome the Roman army. So they relied on these prophecies in the Old Testament that we know now, and they were so excited, so excited to pray for that Messiah. And when he finally showed up, they were like, yes! All these people following around, just Y-A-S-S-S, yes, right? Now, now that you're here, Jesus, now that you're the Messiah, go kill all those bad Roman guys, right? Give us our nation back. And Jesus, this is paraphrasing, was kind of like, pshh. I didn't come to get you political. He said, I came to get you eternal. I didn't come to conquer people. No, I came to free your hearts. I didn't come to save your nation. I came to save your soul. All summed up in pshh, right? <laughs> so these Pharisees and these Herodians wanted to trap Jesus in what he said. So, okay, they're like, okay, quick, 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 cuddle. We, we, had to, we were getting ready to arrest him. We had to tie, take a time out. All right, huddle. All right, what are we going to do? Okay, let's trick him, all right? Let's go to him. Let's honor his, his wiseness, right? Let's play to his, maybe he has an ego. We'll, we'll do that. And let's say, okay, uh, see, if he says that it's not good to pay taxes against or for Rome, then he's anti-Roman. And then we just call the Romans and be like, um, this is what he said, and you need to get rid of him. Jesus, problem solved. And, and if he says, no, let's give to Rome taxes, then he's anti-Jewish, and he's not for us. And then this giant crowd that's then following him will turn on him, and they'll take care of our Jesus problem. Ready? Sound good? Break. Okay. And they go back up there, right? And they're ready to talk to Jesus, and they say these things again. <clears throat> it's really funny when you think about it. Teacher. These guys who have put him down all this time. Teacher, we know that you are true. <laughs> okay, and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Yeah, let's give him enough rope. <laughs> Let it go. So should we pay taxes to Caesar, or should we not? What you say, Jesus? Now, denarius, that coin that was handed to Jesus, is the most common coin in the empire. And it's usually worth about a day's wages. In our modern times, imagine a coin that is worth $211.86. That's the average daily wage across America. And if you're like me, you're like, I don't know, who makes that? I don't, okay, we need to find those people, right? <laughs> Apparently, according to the 2013, that is the gross national income average by 2,000 years per work year. So, it's crazy, right? $211. Imagine a coin worth $211. So it's not a little, but in the big picture of things, it's not a lot. And Jesus takes this coin, and he looks at it, and he's asked, okay, whose face is on this? Like, okay, it's Caesar's, right? And Jesus says, give to Caesar's that which is Caesar's. We're like, okay, I'm following you. I get it. Cool story. Nice interpretation. You threw a psh in there. That got my attention. But Josh, this, is, this passage is about paying taxes. Right? Right? We can't afford to be that naive, right? You see, they were actually asking Jesus to either align himself with a political side, the Romans, the Roman ways, or the Jews, and the Jewish ways. That was actually their question. 
had nothing to do with taxes, had everything to do with a trap. Are you for us or are you against us? Are you on this side or are you on this side? Jesus, we need to know. And that's where a lot of us have lost the gospel in our culture today. Because they're like, well, there's nothing in here. It doesn't say in John chapter 6, verse 17, that Jesus was a Republican and he said to vote for Trump. Or he said, you know, in, in Matthew, then he contradicted himself. He said, vote for Hillary. That's not in here. So, Jesus, what side are you on? And we want to know. And Jesus is like, neither. There is a door number three that you do not see. There's a door number three. It's not Roman ways. It's not Jewish ways. Door number three is God's ways. Yahweh, if you want, you know. It's my way or Yahweh, right? Okay, so there is a door number three. It's not Romans' ways. It's not Jewish ways. It's God's ways. And if we're going to take this home, because it's not just simply about taxes. Today, about politics. How do we have peace within politics? Guess what? It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. It's God's ways. And if you want peace within, this is where it starts in politics for us this morning. Here's a bold statement. Do not prioritize your political beliefs above your godly beliefs. In other words, if you want peace within politics, it can't be your God. Because there is division. If you want peace within politics, God's ways. Because there is unity. In other words, should your faith come before country? Yes. Should living like Jesus be worth more than being an American? Yes. Because you can live in any country and be a Christ follower. And we are so entrenched in, in our culture and in our pro red, white, and blue, which I am, that, that we can almost think that an American Christ follower is better or worth more than a Chinese Christ follower. Or a Mexican Christ follower. Or a Republican Christ follower. Because how can they be Republican and a Christ follower? I mean, come on, right? They don't go, how, how can they be Democrat and a Christ follower? That doesn't make sense in my world, right? Just door number three, man. Door number three all day. God's ways. Why do I say that and how can I say that? Well, Jesus said to give to Caesars what is Caesars, right? Because it had the image of Caesar on it. So if we give to our government what is the government's, and we, and we give to God what is God's, well then what's God's? Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 24, just verse 1 and 2, it's quick. Two verses. We know Psalm 23, a lot of us do, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Psalm 24, huh? I don't know. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Is there anything David left out there? What is God's? Everything, right? So if we put the image of what's stamped on the front of those coins, and we say, okay, this is for the government, this is Caesar's, Jesus says. Okay. And if I give to God's what is God's, I look out at creation, 
and I see all these other things. There's, a, there's another step here because our face is stamped on a coin here. Book of Genesis, chapter 1. Book of Genesis, chapter 1. Two verses, verses 26 and 27. And so God said, Let us make man in our image, right? After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the, of the heavens and over the livestock and, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Said two ways, completely differently and also the same, just so we're clear. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, now we're getting specific, he created them. Any questions on that part, right? We're okay? We're good? Okay, that's Genesis. Yeah, creation story, blah, blah, blah. Adam, Eve, garden, snake, apple. Okay, we get it. No, 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 this is much, much bigger than that. Because our faces are on the front of a coin and we are stamped in the image of our creator. And so we, if we give to God what is God's and we give to Caesar or our government all that stuff, we are made in the image of God. And so if we give to God what is God's, not what, but then who do we give? We give ourselves. We are made in His image. We are formed in His likeness. Our face is a stamp generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of men and women who bear the likeness and image of a wonderful Creator. We're a beautiful people, right? All shapes, all sizes, all colors, all races, all political affiliations. We are a beautiful people. You and I are made in the image of God. So if we're going to give to Caesars what is Caesars, there's some stuff we need to let go of today. Because if you want peace within politics, then remember whose image you're created in. Now, I'm not saying don't care about politics. I'm not saying quit your political party. I'm not saying don't vote anymore. I'm not saying, you know, just forget America. I'm not saying any of those things. What I am saying is that if you want to have peace within, then you have to have your priorities throughout. If you want peace within then you have to have your priorities right throughout, and throughout everything, throughout your political affiliation, throughout your, your social media standing, through, throughout meeting people in that grocery store. How do you act? Who are you? You are created in the image of God. And if your political affiliations make you discredit your ability to live like Jesus, then guess what? You need to realign them. I'll say that again. If your political affiliations make you discredit your ability to live like Jesus, you need to realign them. If your patriotism makes you look down on another country, you need to realign it. If, you, if your need to be right on a political stance or viewpoint at all, if your need to be right outweighs your humility, you need to realign it. And if you came this morning thinking that this is only about being a Republican or a Democrat, guess what? 
We need to realign it. Because Jesus exposes that hidden third option that our hearts and our country desperately need more of today. A godly choice. Not a Republican choice. Not a Democratic choice. Not a socialist choice. Not a libertarian choice. Our country needs to be aware that there is a hidden door of a godly choice that outweighs and outranks and supersedes all of those. I almost wanted to make up shirts for us today that said Jesus 2017, right? Like one of those political... Then the question was like, well, do we put it in red, white, and blue? I'm like, I don't know. What colors would Jesus choose? You know, the saddest part of all of this is that we have our currency that says what? In God we trust, right? And we have a census that says that 70% of Americans say they believe in God. But we have fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer people that are actually living that out. And if you want peace within, then let your government be your government. Let your God be your God. If you want peace within politics, let the government be the government. And do your, your citizenly rights of vote and, and go and show up and, and, and elect and all that kind of stuff. Let the government be the government, but let your God be your God. Let the United States elect itself the officials through its structure that it was set up to be. And do your best to support those officials through prayer and asking for God's guidance in their heart and in the nation. How many of us have belittled a president or an official that we haven't even prayed for? We've got our priorities all screwed up. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you feel persecuted from the president, either this one or the last one, did you any prayer for them at all? No. We just shame them on social media. It's hot in here, right? Let God have your heart. Let the government have its due. They want taxes, give taxes. They want to recount ballots, let them recount ballots. If they ask you to vote, vote. Let the government be the government. Let your God be your God. What would our community, our country, what would America look like if the church lived that out? Even in social media, even in politics. What would America look like to have people who generally actually cared for the well-being of the other political party? What would America look like? What would America look like for people who didn't vote for a president to pray for them daily instead of post negative things on social media? What would it look like? What would America look like if, if Christians actually took Jesus' words to heart and lived them out? What would America look like if people actually lived like Jesus? And gave to Caesars what is Caesars? And gave to God's what is God's? Peace begins within. And it begins with asking the right questions and it begins with having the right priorities. It begins with a relationship with Jesus, that prince of peace prophesied about, who came, who lived, who died, and who rose again so that we might know who God is. It begins with giving to God's what is God's. And you know what? That's us. It's you. 
and that's me. First and foremost, give to God. Give up. Worrying about politics. That doesn't go in the boat with us and Jesus, right? There's that third door. When you give your heart to God and you work to build that relationship, that is when you have peace within. And you know what then? Things like politics are suddenly never as important as living like Jesus. Let's pray.